it's like a little internal massage. Like there's like, it makes you feel like you can be there. Hi, I'm Lou. Welcome to season two of Therapy and the Body. One thing we always have during this lifetime is our bodies. They follow us everywhere we go, sensing our excitement, fear, joy, and more. So let's include the body in the therapeutic process. Come with me. Let's explore how together. We have one of my favorite people on today, Jessica Provenza. She is a somatic therapist and one of my best friends. Uh, She was on earlier in season one of Therapy and the Body, talking about how physical ailments can mimic mental health conditions. So that's what we talked about there. This time, we're going to go on a little bit of a different journey, talking about her healing experiences and how she came to know that working with the body therapeutically was profoundly healing for her and that she, uh, through that, would go on to support other people in similar ways. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're talking about today. So, hey, Jess. Hi. Thank you for having me here. So first, just tell our listeners a little bit about you. And what got you interested in becoming a a therapist, a somatic therapist? It's so funny. As soon as you asked me that question, I had something in my mind I was going to say. And of course, this is how we work in the here and now is just go with what comes. Yeah. What came was a memory of being in my, maybe my first year of college and I was sent to a therapist. My, my dad had died my senior year of high school. So this would have been the year after and decided to try a therapist at the school setting. And I walked in and this person had fountains going in the room. And I thought, man, if I ever have a job, I want fountains. The sound of water. <laughs> when I was younger, I thought here and there, I love studying people. Like it's kind of my thing. I, I watch people a lot, but that's part of Now I know part of my trauma response, right? To watch people. But in this moment, I was like, wow, somebody gets to have fountains in their office (laughs) and and toys and like all these fun things. And so it felt playful. And I do not remember the therapist. I don't think it was impactful on that level, but just the room itself. So that's kind of what first sparked my interest. And then it was really, you know, I kind of turned away from therapy at that point. It didn't feel right. And then I came back to it a few different times, but really when Cecily was born, it brought me to the fact that I had a lot of unresolved stuff that having a child, seeing those attachment wounds come in was really when I thought, man, I need some help here. And luckily I had found a somatic practitioner to work with. And she very quickly knew about my past with yoga. When I was doing embodied practices, I felt more me. So she brought it in. She's like, why don't you go back to school right now? 
you would be an amazing therapist with your history, everything you've been through, going into the depths of your shadow. Like this is what therapists do. This is part of, you know, you, you basically are a therapist, but not in the seat of a therapist. She's like, go back. So I thought there is no freaking way I can quit my marketing job with a newborn, you know, and, and a single parenting and go back and, you know, get a degree. I was like, this is beyond me, but she is who prompted. Okay. So you were pregnant in your marketing job, pregnant in a marketing job, doing development and marketing actually in the mental health field. And I went on maternity leave and then during maternity leave, I decided, and then I had Cecily, there is no way in hell as a breastfeeding mother that I'm going to go back to work right now. So I made the decision to basically live on my 401k. Wow. And take a year off. And this is when I applied and decided I'm going to become a therapist. This is like, this is my time. I can feel my, my stomach just tightened as I'm talking about it because it was really hard decision to make, but also as a mother, the only way, like I didn't see another way. Wow. I couldn't imagine. I know a lot of mothers do this and I give cred to them, but I couldn't imagine going back working, coming home or having to breastfeed at work or pump at work, or it just all seemed too much for me. Wow. So that started your journey. That started the real action of I'm going to become a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I knew I didn't want to do it the mainstream way. I knew I wanted holistic. I knew I wanted somatic, Mm -hmm. the, the transpersonal, the consciousness, more edgy type of therapy. Mm hmm. So I know we wanted to talk about your experience in the client role, receiving therapeutic touch and talking is one thing. Talking has a place and a time, but you really found some deep healing with working directly with the body. And so you're the first person who told me about Rosen method. And I'm so curious about Rosen Method. So I'd like to hear just anything you have to say about what that is. And then you can share about your experience receiving that type of touch. Yeah. So it actually first came to me from that somatic therapist. She said, you might want to try Rosen. It's really good for people with complex PTSD. So she said for complex PTSD, Rosen method is by far and scientific, there's studies about it, the best way for people who dissociate to come back into their body. People with complex PTSD are the people who are even saying, I'm not myself right now. Mm -hmm. I'm somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm watching a movie of my life. Yeah. So, and I, or I feel numb. And I had a lot of that. So she thought, call this woman. There's a local person in town. Just experience it. See what it's like for you. And I found Sylvia. I found her and she specializes in working with people who are dying of cancer. 
doing touch to help them be in their bodies and help with the pain and everything they're experiencing. But she also works with complex trauma. And as soon as I went in there, I felt like I was sitting with a crone, my grandmother. Mm. Like she was so loving and I right away, right away felt like I could let her into some of my deeper places. And she didn't get me on the table right away. It was rapport. <laughs> She's like, let, you know, she wanted me, I think I'm, I'm being her right now to know that she's a safe person. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm not going to be open if that's, there's not safety first. A hundred percent. So she got that. So we sat down. It was very calm. And then she invited me to be on the table. It was, everything felt like an invitation, right? Like, Mm -hmm. is it okay? Mm. A lot of consent. So that's, so Rosen is, a touch modality, but it's not, it's not invasive. And she actually starts with spraying or ends, sometimes starts and ends with spraying some rose in the room. I'm imagining as a somatic practitioner, she's engaging all my senses mm-hmm. very quickly. So she engaged my sense, right? My nose, my, um, so I could smell the rose. Well, I, to this day, I, I sprayed on myself when I'm feeling a little upregulated. I'll do a little rose squirt. And then she has birds playing. And she always asks me, do you want the birds today? Yeah. So I can hear the birds and maybe some running water with the birds. So there's always birds. And then there's, of course, touch. Mm-hmm. And warmth. She always wants to know my body temperature, how I am. And that's also really important with trauma because we tend to run in extremes. So really cold or too hot, right? Nothing's quite right. So she's constantly checking in with that. How are you? How are my hands even? Are my hands too cold? And then she, she'll ask what's present right now. That's, it's very here and now oriented. And she goes to that area. And when I talk like what's present, what's present in my body? So she's like, where are you feeling something? You know, and it will be like, oh, I'm feeling a lot of pressure in my chest right now. So that's where she goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but before she goes there, she usually does what I now know to be like a polyvagal orientation. Um, she just kind of uh, rotates slowly, shaking your body from the feet all the way up, mm-hmm. orienting your body to the space. Mm-hmm. And tell our listeners how did, how that felt inside. Mm. What's that like? It's like a little internal massage. Like there's like, it makes you feel like you can be there. Mm. Like it's safe to be there. Safe to be there. And that it's, that feeling of like when you're bouncing a new baby or a pu- or even a puppy, right? Trying to put somebody to sleep almost. There's like that little vibration happening. Mm-hmm. And it brings awareness also because she's starting in one area. So you all your awareness goes to that area. And then as she's moving up, you're changing your focal point. Mm-hmm. So it really gets you into each part of your body. Mm. 
Um, mm-hmm. It feels restful. Mm. And for me, I can start like, typically I start yawning, which makes me know that like, okay, I'm relaxing here. I'm getting air. Yeah. So that's so different than someone simply telling you with their words that it's okay to be here. That touch and that movement in your body helped your body know, helped you somatically get that felt sense that it was okay to be here and it's okay to exist in your physical body. Yes. And then we even have one, right? Sometimes when we, we leave, we don't know we even have one. <laughs> yeah. So reminding us yeah. that we have a body. You have a body. Yeah. You, you mentioned before we started recording that she, she was able to notice when you left your body. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, this was really one of those moments in life I will never forget because it was the actual seeing of me, the magic in somebody sensing from my body that I had gone somewhere else in my mind. I'm like, how the heck did she know I was somewhere else, right? What's happening? But at that time, she had her hands on my diaphragm. Our diaphragm, it has like four parts to it. Okay. I'm going to say contraptions, but it's a four-part system. And right, if you push in the middle, like right beneath your sternum and below your breasts, it should be squishy and malleable. Mm -hmm. The idea is that if you touched a newborn baby's belly, let's call it a safe newborn belly. (laughs) Yeah, a safe, love newborn baby. And they breathe, they fill up their entire belly with air. It looks like, you know, a little pop belly. And if you were to push on it, it's really squishy. It's really soft and like doughy, almost like you could just make bread out of it. And as we age and with stress and trauma, all these things, we start to work, we start to tense out of fright out of being in parts of our nervous system, right? Flight, fright, freeze. And our, our diaphragm becomes really hard. Like Yogi will say like, let's oxygenate our blood. Let's get oxygen inside us. We need more oxygen. So there's this push of like, we need oxygen. But what we're, what's actually helpful is pulling air into our lower belly, expanding our diaphragm because we're trying to loosen our diaphragm. Because the loosening of the diaphragm is when we, when we're safe, it's loose. Mm. So oxygen's great, but like I'm not saying like that's not a valid point, but it's also to create more elasticity in the diaphragm. Yeah, it's also to soften the the tension yes. in the belly. Yes. And when yes. we're safe, our bellies are soft. It's soft the buddha belly is soft the baby belly is soft and squishy your practitioner was able to tell if you were safe or not if you were present or not by the way your belly felt yes but she was in my diaphragm and she said to me where did you go right now mind you where i was was after this 
experience with her, I needed to go pick up my daughter and we were going to go to the park. And in my mind, I was already at the park. So I was thinking about what we're going to do at the park. And, you know, as, as she's holding my diaphragm and when she said, where, where are you right now? I'm like, holy shit, she knows I'm not here. <laughs> it felt like I, you know, I got caught in something. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I'm not with you anymore. Sorry. I'm at the park. Yeah. And so that was really significant for you to be witnessed in that, huh? Really, really big for me. I think it was the first time I had ever been seen leaving, like leaving the here and now. Um, You know, I had witnessed, I witnessed people leave. My dad was in his head all the time somewhere, you know, and, but I hadn't had somebody in the moment of me doing it, be like, I noticed you're not here right now. And she, in, and in that it brought me back, right? Cause I was like, oh yeah, there I was at the park where I'm supposed to be in like a couple hours. Do I really need to be there right now? No. Is it okay for me to be here right now? Yes, it's safe. And then she said, why don't you let me know when you hear the birds? again so there are birds playing in the background and that was one of the markers that she would know that you were present is by saying oh i hear the birds i hear the birds okay like oh yeah i hear the birds again okay which she's right when i was at the park i wasn't listening to the birds anymore wow okay so i'm appreciating what you're saying because this is a really explicit example of when we're not here and present in our bodies, we actually losing touch with our, our physical senses, the things that are happening in the present moment. Like you actually don't see what's around you anymore. You don't hear what's around you anymore. You don't know where you are when you're no longer in your body. So there it's a way you lose touch with reality when that happens. What is real in that moment is my future, which doesn't exist. Mm. It could have easily been my past, right? I could have been in a trauma response. I wasn't, thank God. That would not have been as fun as being at the park in a few hours. And actually it wasn't quite relaxing because what it was experiencing was the hustle that I needed to do to get to the park. I was in my to-do list, which my body was responding to, which she felt. You know, I want to know how did this moment in moments like this impact you just in your personal life and as a therapist? I think it really brought home how powerful our imagination is on our body. So our imagination is having a profound impact on our physical bodies yes. all the time. All the time. And I want to say the opposite too. Our physical bodies are having a profound impact on our imagination. Both ways. Both ways. Because when we also have those familiar body experiences, then our imagination might go to that place. Imagine if you actually felt grounded or empowered or, or good in your body right now. Yes. What would that feel yes. like? And if we kept imagining that, what would happen? 
I'd explode, explode with joyfulness, <laughs> right? Like it, imagining a world for yourself that felt really safe. Imagining that you could speak up for yourself. That self-trust that you, you trusted yourself to move forward in a safe way. So with touch in Rosen method, in this case, you were able to notice when you weren't present and you were able to then notice when you were present and in your body, you're able to tell the difference. And so someone else supported you in that exploration. Absolutely. In a safe relationship. And then you were able to move forward and incorporate that into your life, what you learned from that experience. And you're able to use your imagination to impact change. And then also share that with your clients. Absolutely. Clients who might listen to this will attest that I'm consistently checking in to see if they're here with me or not. That's a, that's a big part of the way I work, the way I, in which I move with people is very much, where are we right now? Maybe our body's in the past right now. Maybe our mind is in the future. Maybe it's really hard for them to be with me right now. Working with all of that, right? The, the coming and going of our present moment relationship. Mm. A lot of us don't even know what that is like to be here. Uh huh. But there's a lot in the way, I know one of the ways for me is the curiosity. Like, is my mind curious? And that could be curiosity around involving what's my, what's happening in my body right now. Mm -hmm. And back to that belly, it, how loose is my belly right now? And I, if I touch that diaphragm and it feels really tight, I know I'm not here right now. Mm. Right? A clear marker. Yeah. Marker, like woo, yeah. diaphragm check or another trick is how wet is my mouth and people are really stressed I know I track that with clients right they can have really dry mouth not seeing them swallow yet right like everything mm. feels really dry and mm -hmm. then as it feels safer right their mouth gets a little moist more moist wow and so in your sessions with clients you're tracking things like belly contraction or mouth dryness as indicators for you to, to help both of you explore how present they are or not. Yeah. And eye contact. Okay. Um, I notice, you know, where, where are you looking? Like where, what's going on out there out the window or their eyes are jumping when that's happening. I'll be like, why don't we orient? Why don't we look at all the things in our, the room right now? Mm-hmm. Right, give them something to do with that. But yeah, there's lots of those little um, somatic signals that tell me we're somewhere else. And that's okay. And actually, sometimes we need to be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That's what dissociation's there for. A beautiful tool. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want to be here right now, or you can't, this is very unsafe for you. Let's not be here right now. Mm -hmm. Be wherever you are, because that's mm -hmm. okay too. I'm just curious of where you are. You know, let's, let's mm -hmm. we can be out there, but let's be out there together. You don't have to be out there alone. So 
bringing in that relationship. Yes. So you're attuning to someone's body and affect, and you're also showing them your, that you're here with them or your desire to be with them. Even if you check out, well, let's check out together then together. Yeah. You know, sometimes we got to do what we got to do. Well, before we go, is there anything you want to share about your practice or how people should be reaching out to you or who you work with? So my specialty has been women with, you know, chronic illness, um, autoimmune stuff. But actually what's interesting is as you, you morph yourself you attract different things to you. So I, I'm noticing pattern, like what type of people I'm attracting, what type of issues. And I really love working with complex trauma and dissociation. I love it. But moving forward, my dream is to have more of a co- cooperative, collective experience with other therapists, healing practitioners, having access to these things, more of these things in one place. That would be beautiful. I like collaborating. So having, if you were to work with me, you're not just working with me. And that's true now too. I work with doctors. I work with other healing practitioners. I refer, I think it, sometimes it takes a village. Beautiful. All right. What's your website? JessicaProvenzaTherapy.com. I'll put her link in the notes. Yes. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening to Therapy and the Body. To get in touch with me about trainings, interviews, or private sessions, visit my website at loujacksontherapy.com. Lou is spelt with an L-U.